You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. The SEC's run in the NCAA tournament came to an end last night as Arkansas lost to Baylor. We will recap that. Also, Alabama will host their second pro day today. We'll let you hear from Nick Saban, who spoke with the media yesterday, talking about some of his guys expected to go in the first round. I think I counted some saying 13 guys from Alabama. Amazing uh, what could happen in this year's draft. And we will go around the conference as Jaden Springer makes a decision at Tennessee. South Carolina's women's hoops get set for an Elite Eight matchup tonight and much more. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. We get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. All right, well, Arkansas, they made a run out of it. They gave all they could once again. They were slow out of the gates, as has been typical for them as of late. Trailing Baylor 46-38 at the half, but the Razorbacks would make a run in the second half, getting within four with seven minutes to go. But Baylor was just too much. They shot over 50% from three, over 48% from the field, and Baylor ended Arkansas's run in the Elite Eight, beating them 81-72. After the game, head coach Eric Musselman talked about what a great run it was for the Arkansas Razorbacks. I just want to give Baylor a ton of credit. I thought that, you know, they played phenomenal tonight, uh, you know, especially offensively. You know, I mean, our locker room, you know, gave us all they could. Uh, came up empty. We've had a great, you know, two months. Played at a very, very high level. But, uh, you know, again, tonight, just have to give Baylor credit. I mean, I just think they're a really good team. I mean, they got, you know, all Americans. You know, it's – it's. Uh, I mean, we had three freshmen in our starting lineup. Obviously, we were the youngest team and left in the Sweet 16. Those guys earned their starts based on how they played. But the, it's asking a lot for three freshmen in an Elite Eight game. You know, those guys played great. I mean, J.D. offensively was phenomenal, but the foul trouble. Yeah, I mean, Baylor's a really, really good team. Um, I mean, they're the, you know, they're the best team that we've played this year. Um, I mean, the effort, you know, when we got down, we could have hung our heads and but we, we, I mean, we played really hard. I can tell you that, you know, for the people that were live watching it, um, I mean, we played, as, you know, extremely hard, but, you know, lacked some scoring at times. And, and, uh, and defensively, you know, they, they hit some tough shots on us. Um, and then the turnovers, too. I mean, we knew coming in, they're, you know, they're a team that, you know, our 15 turnovers, not astronomical, but but 21 points off them, just, just too much to overcome. I mean, we out-rebounded them. A really, you know, usually we talk about rebounding being an effort stat. So, you know, we were, we were worried about the glass, and we played small ball, and we still out-rebounded, and we just, uh, their guards were just, were just too much off the bounce. Yeah, that was Coach Eric Musselman. The teams, they played – even for the most part in the second half, uh, Baylor had the edge 35-34, but you really have to wonder if Arkansas just hadn't been so slow out of the gates. And then consider this, in the second frame, Baylor made four of eight from three-point range. Arkansas went 0 for 7. I mean, if they can just knock down some of those threes, they might have a, a better fate. But Arkansas, as we mentioned, they closed within four points with 
uh, under nine minutes to go on a Moses Moody layup. It would go over eight minutes without a field goal. 0 for 12 from the field, but they did stay in the game with four Jalen Tate free throws. But Baylor drained a three-pointer with just under four minutes left, and that kind of put the game out of reach. Devontae Davis, uh, of course, like we mentioned, with uh, 14 points, Justin Smith had 10 and six rebounds. But Arkansas had 15 turnovers. Guard JT Notai fouled out with just 15 minutes of action. And I said a few days ago, it was going to take a monster game for Moses Moody, but he was just 2 for 10 from the field, just 6 of 30, I believe, in the last two games. He had just 11 points last night, and you got to do better than that. Your superstar has got to uh, lead you. But uh, Arkansas ends head coach Eric Musselman's second season in Arkansas, 25-7, and seven, with the program's deepest run in the NCAA tournament since 1996. But you cannot ignore what a run it was for Coach Musselman and his group making it all the way to the Elite Eight, uh, falling to one of the top seeds in Baylor. And now they turn the page with seniors like Justin Smith and Jalen Tate departing, as well as Moody, who is expected to go top 10 in this year's NBA draft. And thus ends the run for the SEC in this year's NCAA tournament. No SEC teams in the Final Four. And you look back at recent years, last time we had a Final Four in 2019, Auburn was there. No SEC teams in 2018. 2017, South Carolina made it. None in 2016. And then, of course, prior to that, you go 2014 and 2015, it was Kentucky, as well as 2011 and 2012, Kentucky was there. Florida also in there in 2014. So the SEC has had their fair share of making runs to the Final Four, at least having one team in there. But this year, they will not. And uh, we close the book on... What was a really fun SEC basketball season? I think every year we hear this talk of, oh, the SEC is down. Oh, the SEC is not any good. And I think a lot of talking heads had that feeling because Kentucky wasn't very good this year. But with Kentucky having a down year, Arkansas had a huge, big year. Alabama had a monster year, as we know. LSU made the second round of the tournament, as did Florida. And really, you know, Tennessee and Missouri with two disappointing first-round losses, but nonetheless, impressive. The SEC got as many teams as they did in the tournament and made as much noise as they did in the tournament. That is closing the door on the NCAA tournament with uh, the SEC in it. We will uh, get to some more uh, spring football conversation in the coming days, start to look ahead also Started to talk a little bit more on the uh, SEC baseball season as it is just a uh, murderer's row of SEC teams across the baseball landscape. When we return, we're going to go around the conference. Bunch of tidbits to touch on, including some notes from uh, SEC baseball or SEC basketball, some guys leaving for the pros, and some uh, SEC baseball notes as well. Stay there. Let me remind you about our friends over at rockauto.com. We've Told you about them all the time. They are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. If you go to rockauto.com, you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Everything from engine control modules to tail lamps to brake parts, tail lights, motor oil, even new carpet. Whatever you need, they have got it in just a few easy clicks and delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog 
Very unique and very easy to navigate. You can see all the parts available for your car or truck and choose from the brands, specifications, and most importantly, the prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com always reliably low and the same for uh, the pros or people like you and I. Why would you spend up to twice as much? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. Hey, get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow Locked On Today on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. Recapping a lot, particularly when it comes to Arkansas and what happened last night, but there was a lot of other stuff going on around the SEC, so let's do it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. We start in Knoxville where Tennessee Hoops freshman Jaden Springer announced he is entering the NBA draft after one season with the Vols. He will be the first one and done with Tennessee since Tobias Harris. And But looking at most of the projected mock drafts, they've got him going somewhere in that lottery. Top 10, top 15-ish. So Jaden Springer, watch for him at the next level. Meanwhile, over at Kentucky, they are adding a transfer coming in from Davidson, guard Kellen Grady. Coming over from Davidson, he averaged 17 points, almost five rebounds a game last season while shooting over 38% from three. So that will be a welcome addition for John Calipari and his staff. Over in Nashville, Vanderbilt announced a $300 million project yesterday to improve their football and basketball facilities and a new Vandy United Fund to raise money for athletics programs. The Vandy United Fund is already uh, has about $200 million committed with another $100 million from the university uh, and $90 million from anonymous donors. Athletic Director Candace Lee said the initial work will focus on infrastructure for Vanderbilt's athletes to improve their daily experience. Basically, the football team, they're going to get upgraded meeting rooms, offices, training rooms, expanded locker room, full-length indoor practice field, you know, stuff that normal football schools have across the SEC. (laughs) So uh, they'll also get uh, outdoor practice fields. Baseball, uh, basketball will get dedicated practice courts for both the men and women's teams, along with improvements to the weight room, locker rooms, and offices. I think basically Candace Lee took over as athletic director a couple months back and looked around and said, yeah, we need an upgrade and we need it badly. So kudos to her. And, uh, of course, Clark Lee coming in as the uh, new football coach. A lot of new faces around there taking a look around and saying, hey, we got to have better facilities if we're going to win at a high level in the SEC. So shout out to them getting that done and uh, look for some upgrades around the Vanderbilt campus very soon. Over at Alabama, details of Nate Oates' contract extension were released yesterday. Oates received a three-year extension, which now runs through March of 2027. It will pay him $3.22 million annually. Contract also features a significant buyout, so buyer beware. Let everybody know, uh, Duke, North Carolina, anybody who might have a coach retire anytime soon. 
Uh, basically, if Nate Oates were to leave Alabama next year, he would owe them $12.5 million. That figure goes down to $10 million in 2023 and so on and so forth. It drops year after year, but uh, pretty significant buyout. Kudos to Alabama for locking him up. Nate Oates not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, he also earned $225,000 in bonuses for this season, according to his original contract, you know, with winning the SEC, winning the SEC tournament, all that gets uh, bonuses for all that. So that all totaled uh, close to a quarter of a million dollars. Speaking of Alabama, they also announced their 2021 salaries for their football assistant coaches, according to AL.com. Defensive coordinator Pete Golding will make the most of the group. He's going to make about $1.5 million this coming season. It's about a $275,000 pay bump. I know some Bama fans weren't super excited with the defense Pete Golding had last year, but nonetheless, national champs can't argue with it. A new offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, is going to make $1.1 million. He, of course, the former Houston Texans head coach in the NFL. That's actually way less than what Steve Sarkeesian made last year. Sark made $2.5 million last year as OC at Alabama. He was, of course, the highest paid assistant in college football. But uh, Bill O'Brien making less than half what Sark made last year. A couple other ones. Doug Marone, the O-line coach, will make... Just, uh, just above $750,000 a year. D-line coach Freddie Roach will make $720,000. And we'll wait to see who Saban hires to replace Jay Graham as the tight ends coach slash special teams coordinator. Jay Graham announced a couple days ago he's stepping away with uh, uh, mental health problems and will uh, kind of sit out for a while and get himself right. So we'll see who Nick Saban hires to replace him at those spots. Also in Alabama, linebacker Dylan Moses revealed yesterday he played most of 2020 on a torn meniscus. A lot of the Alabama players speaking ahead of their second pro day, and Moses talking with the media said he had surgery in February to repair that torn meniscus. He suffered in the third game of the season at Ole Miss. Moses said he just never really said anything about it and played through it. He started all 13 games of his senior season, led the team in tackles with 80. So, shout out Dylan Moses playing through yet another knee injury. Over at Texas A&M, word is freshman wide receiver Demon Demos has been cleared and returned to practice yesterday. So, good news for Texas A&M. Had a little bit of a issue off the field, but he's back. And in baseball. Mississippi State announced updated procedures for game days at Duty Noble Field. State will begin selling general admission standing room only tickets to the public as well as resuming unhindered pedestrian movement throughout the stadium concourse. All general admission slash standing room only and student tickets will grant access to the right and left field grass berms, the right field grass terrace, and available standing drink rails on a first-come, first-served basis. Face coverings over the nose and mouth still be required as a condition of entry and exit, as well as during movement throughout the facility. But Mississippi State starting to ramp it up a little bit more where uh, move around a little bit around the ballpark once you're in there. In women's hoops, number one seed South Carolina going to take on six seed Texas tonight in San Antonio in the Elite Eight. Game will air at 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. The Gamecocks looking around an eight and a half point favorite, according to Bet Online. 
Don Staley's squad, uh, last won the national championship in 2017. So we'll see if they can get it done again this year. But got to get through the Elite Eight first, get back to that Final Four, and they can do that with a win over Texas tonight. Ole Miss baseball, they will take on Florida starting on Thursday down in Gainesville. Big series for them. But the Rebs, they are 6-0 in the SEC for the first time since. Well, you got to go back to a time when Archie Manning was their starting shortstop. Shout out to the SEC Network, who I saw tweeted that out yesterday. Really uh, funny to hear that stat. But, but you know, Ole Miss Rebs, a real deal in baseball this year. A quick shout-out to number seven-ranked Kentucky softball. They got a walk-off win over number three Alabama last night, winning 5-4. to four. They also won the series, taking two out of three. So big series win for Kentucky, taking two out of three against Alabama last night. That is around the conference. When we return, we're going to hear a little bit from Nick Saban speaking with the media yesterday ahead of Bama's second pro day. That's next. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Look, we've got the uh, Elite Eight winding down. We've got the uh, Final Four coming up this weekend. If you want to get in on all the action, you can do so at betonline.ag. It's real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has got you covered with all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. If you head, head to their website right now, you can do so on your tablet, your laptop, your mobile device, and when you sign up, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but you got to put the promo code locked on in when you sign up. Make sure you do it when you're signing up. My buddy texted me, hey, I signed up. Where do I put in the promo code now? I'm like, no, you got to do it as you sign up. Locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N in the promo code box as you sign up, and you will get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It is betonline.ag. They are your online sportsbook experts. We have been telling you guys about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is low-calorie, low-sugar, high in fiber, high in protein, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all the bars. And now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. They're having their Built Bar madness and different matchup every day that you can vote on. Today's matchup is a good one. It is cookies and cream versus cookie dough chunk. Look, no uh, disrespect to the cookie dough chunk, but the cookies and cream is my favorite. I tell you guys this all the time. You uh, need to get on there and vote for them because I'll be darned if I'm going to have an upset over my cookies and cream in one of these earlier rounds. So uh, get online to builtbar.com or go to Twitter, bar underscore built. Get your vote in for my cookies and cream. They do not deserve to lose this matchup. And remember, when you go to BuiltBar.com, if you find something you like, you can use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You will get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. Our Locked On College Basketball Experts are recapping all the madness of March on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch Live. You can follow the account at Locked On Live. 
believe uh, many of the experts will be live tonight recapping the uh, conclusion of the Elite Eight as we get the Final Four set. If you missed this past weekend's recap from uh, recapping the Sweet 16, you can follow Locked on SEC, ACC, Pac-12, Big Ten, or Big 12 today and check their social media feeds to find those videos. I was part of the one on uh, Sunday night. Stayed up till about midnight our time, recapping all the action. Don't mind not getting sleep because it's a lot of fun to uh, recap all the action. I thought Alabama should have uh, should have won against UCLA, but they did not. And speaking of Alabama, they will hold their second pro day today in Tuscaloosa. Some of the players spoke with the media yesterday, including Nick Saban. I thought we would play a little bit of that, let you hear what Nick Saban had to say. And for those of you who are fans of other SEC teams, before you say, well, why are you playing Nick Saban and not any other coaches? I think they're most relevant just because Alabama is supposed to have the most guys drafted in the first round this season, or, or at least very high. LSU set the record last year with you know, most players from one school drafted in the first round. Alabama will probably tie that, if not break it, this year with a ton of guys. And so Nick Saban, speaking with the media yesterday, hitting on a lot of his players expected to go high. Here was Nick. Certainly appreciate the opportunity to be with you guys here today. And uh, first of all, I'd like to say how proud I am of uh, this group of young men, uh, the kind of players, the kind of competitive character they had, the, the togetherness and the leadership that they gave our team is, I think, something that would benefit or any organization or any team. So we always appreciate it when you guys pay attention to our players, and I certainly thank you for that. And we try to make it as hospitable as possible uh, here at Alabama anytime uh, the NFL is involved with anything that we do here uh, because we understand and know uh, what you guys have to go through. I've been on that side of it. So uh, if we can do anything for you, just just ask. Okay, and with that, we will start with Alex Fleming at Florida Sun. Um, Coach Saban, you really don't have much to prove in the NCAA rankings. I believe you've already passed Bear Bryant and you cranking out NFL talent. So what is your motivation? What keeps you going? Yeah, well, I think every year is like a new year. Every year is a new team. It's a new challenge. It's like you took a new job. Uh, I always get excited about trying to build a team. Uh, and we have that challenge every year. In college football, you lose like 25% of your team every year. Uh, most of the time, you lose the leadership and some really, really good players. Um, you got to really develop young players to try to take their place. It's very challenging. So, you know, I enjoy doing that. I have a passion for it. Um, I think coaching is one of the greatest professions in the world. At this level, uh, you have a chance to impact players in a very positive way as you help them develop as people, as students, and as football players. So, I get excited about that. I hate to lose, so, you know, maybe that's why I get excited about it. We'll go to Dan with the Chicago Tribune. Dan, go ahead. Hey, Nick. Mac Jones has been uh, very proud of his recall and his processing ability. I'm curious from a coach's standpoint what you've admired about that uh, with him and, and other specific examples that really resonate for you. Well, I think if you just watch Mac play throughout the course of the year, if, if it came to mental errors, he only made a few. Uh, he did. A, he was always very well prepared. I think Sark did a great job with him, uh, but he was always very well prepared, uh, you know, for every game. But he he went out there and sort of, you know, calmly 
just executed and took what the defense gave him and made the right choices and decisions based on what we had coached him to do. Seldom did he force the ball. Seldom did he turn it over. Um, really managed exactly what we expected him to manage. And I know that when you say a guy does that, everybody thinks he's not a very good player. Uh, he's not capable of anything else but managing. Uh, but to me, to be a good quarterback, you got to be a good manager. Then your ability to make plays sort of, you know, goes from there. And Mac has ability to make plays because he's smart, he's accurate, he's going to throw the ball in the right place, and uh, he's going to always help the offensive team be in the right situation, uh, whether it's a run or a pass or whatever. So um, he is really, really smart, but he's always really well prepared. I but I think he analyzes what's going to happen before it happens uh, in terms of what the expectation is for him on that particular play. And he has a good visualization of what our players are doing and how the defense is going to react to it relative to what they do. And I think that's what helps his decision-making process uh, so that he makes good choices and decisions. We'll go to Orlando Ledbetter. Yes, coach. Um, how does, uh, you know, the Falcons like your weapons, um, we were thinking, you know, Najee might be Derrick Henry's replacement for the new coach here. Um, how does Najee project into the NFL, uh, given the, uh, you know, line of running backs you've sent to the league? Well, I think if you check the record, every, every running back that we've had here since we came here uh, has been a third round or better in terms of the draft and how they got drafted. All right, so we're very proud of that in terms of the quality of guys we've been able to recruit, but also how they developed in the program here. And Nazi is, I, I think, an exceptional player. He's got great size. He's a really good receiver. You know, he's instinctive as a runner. He's tough. He's hard to tackle. Um, and he kind of gets better as the game goes on. So um, he's got some really, really positive attributes. Uh, he's always been a really, really good team guy here. Uh, so I love the guy, and I think he'll be a really, really good player at the next level. Go to Michael Gelkin with the Dallas Morning News. That the Cowboys are considering about possibly bringing Paxton Sertain into their building as well. What kind of duo do you think those two could form given their complementary skill sets at the NFL level? Well, I don't like to compare players, but um, Patrick Sertain is, um, first of all, he's a great person. He's never been in my office in three years for anything that he didn't do. And he does things exactly like you lay it out for him. If you want to talk about accountability and responsibility, you're never going to find anybody that will do it any better than he does. Um, and the guy's got really good skills to play the position. He's very instinctive. Uh, he's got great length. He's got great size. Um, he's a good cover guy. He's got really good feet. He's uh, smart. Um, he understands the game. He understands, you know, the offense and what they're trying to do. He's always very well prepared. Uh, you know, we always give our guys a, you know, little scouting report assignment that they have to do. And, you know, his is always, you know, the best of just about anybody that presents, you know, to the team. So um, I think he's going to have a great career. We'll go to Michael Casagrande. Dylan Moses was just up here and was talking about uh, playing through a torn meniscus from the third game on. Uh, I guess, were you surprised by that? Did you, were you aware of it? And, uh, you know, what did it say about him that he was able to play through it? 
Well, I don't know if he had a torn meniscus. You know, you could talk to the doctor about that. I know he had issues with his knee. We drained his knee a few times. Uh, Dr. Kane uh, made all the decisions about how we should manage uh, him, you know, through the season. Dylan was very aware of it. And, and I do think it affected his performance a little bit. But I think it also speaks volumes of his character to be able to persevere through, you know, overcoming, you know, that kind of, uh, injury throughout the course of the season. So, um, you know, he wanted to play. Um, he obviously was a leader, you know, for us on defense. So it was great to have him out there. Um, but all those decisions about his knee were made by, you know, the medical staff here. So, um, and I know he got his knee cleaned up after the season. I don't know exactly what it was. You need to talk to Dr. Kane about that. But, and he feels, I think, a lot better now. Uh, and I think uh, that's going to help him in the future. And again, Nick Saban speaking with the media yesterday and uh, some interesting questions. And it's funny, you could tell he doesn't like doing that, <laughs> speaking with the media about his former players now. But he's got to do it for recruiting, right? Because if Mac Jones gets drafted top 10 and Najee Harris is a first-round pick. That all helps when he goes to sit in the living rooms for recruits in the coming months to years. Oh, yeah. Hey, Matt Jones. Went from a nothing to a top-ten pick in the NFL draft. That was me. I did that. Come to Alabama. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. We'll uh, get into some more football talk as spring practice rolls on for much of the SEC. We'll uh, have more discussion throughout the week. Looking ahead to uh, football season and – Going to put a cap on what was the basketball season for the SEC. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.